How y'all feeling? I like that reaction. Can I get one more? How you guys feeling? There we go. Welcome to Fusion. We are the Young Adult Ministry of Victory World Church. How many people in here are members of Victory? Yeah. We are part of an amazing church. I started at this church in 2013, a little while ago. I was coming to Fusion. I was just coming out of pursuing a career in music, and some things had just fallen apart. And I hadn't been in church in years. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. My sister happened to invite me to check out Victory. She had just found out about it. I came here, loved it, and haven't left since. I love this church. It is awesome. Does anybody else love this church? I just want to take some time. That wasn't even planned. I just wanted to shout it out because it's just such a cool opportunity. It's really rare that you have this many young adults gathered really anywhere. You guys could be anywhere at, you guys could just be any place right now. And you're choosing to be here on a Tuesday night. It is your decision. It's your choice. I was doing high school ministry for a while. That's a little bit different because their parents drop them off a lot of times. A lot of them don't have the choice to be here. But you guys could be anywhere. Most of y'all are full-grown adults. Some of y'all got kids and everything. Yeah, they in childcare, right? We have an amazing Vic Kids childcare program. I'm just grateful right now. I appreciate just the opportunity to be here uh, and just to be serving God in this capacity. Uh, to be able to encourage you guys to continue to serve God. And I'm, I'm grateful to be here with you guys at this point in your lives. Are you guys grateful to be here with each other? It's dope. So we're in a series called Firestarter. In case you are new to Fusion, if it's your first time, a series is just a collection of messages. And Firestarter is about, it's just about a relationship with God. Uh, throughout scripture, God compares himself to fire a lot. He says that he is a consuming fire. And especially now that we've started this series, it seems like everywhere that I read, I see God sending fire. We talked in the first message about Elijah and how he prayed to God when it was, I mean, it was just a crazy situation. If you have not read the story of Elijah, you should definitely go check it out. I can't say the whole thing right now. But... Elijah's just going up against his culture that serves this God called Baal. And they have like 450 prophets of Baal, another like 400 prophets of some other God. And Elijah's like, all right, enough is enough. We need to see who the real God is. So what we're going to do is we're going to set out a sacrifice. You guys make a sacrifice. I'll make a sacrifice. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And we see in that story that he prayed to God and God sent fire from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. He had soaked the sacrifice in water and it still consumed the sacrifice, consumed all the water. I saw another place in scripture where David uh, was making a sacrifice to God. And this was when he was king and he had purchased a field from somebody that they were trying to give it to him for free. But he said, I won't do anything for the Lord. I will not make a sacrifice to God that doesn't cost me something. And so he, he pays full price. He said, I won't take a discount, none of that. I'm going to pay full price and I'm going to sacrifice this to God because that's how much he means. And he, he set up the sacrifice. He prayed to God and God sent fire. All throughout scripture, you see God sending fire. Uh, you see God... Even in uh, one of the stories that we were talking about last week that we're going to talk some more about tonight, the birth of Samson. It's crazy. God shows up to Samson's parents telling them that they're going to have a child. And the way he leaves is in the fire. They make a sacrifice to him and he just ascends in the flame. And I was thinking about that earlier. And I don't know if you guys know this term. We talk about it a lot. I, I used to work at a boxing gym. And so a lot of times if we were sparring or something like that, we would say that we was with the smoke. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term, but 
I just thought that it was funny when I was reading that he was ascending in the smoke, and I was like, God is with the smoke. So last week, we were talking about staying on fire. Because the first message, we talked about God starting a fire in your life and how God will send fire. And by sending fire, he's talking about sending himself, that he wants to consume your life. He wants you to have such a crazy, amazing relationship with him that you are consumed, that you are burning. Life should not be something taken casually. There should be no day wasted. Every day is a gift. And if you're not burning for something on the inside, you are not making the most of your life. And the God who created you wants you to have such a crazy relationship with him that you are burning for him. This is not just some religion that we're gathering in here for. This is not just some good advice. I'm not here to just inspire you or motivate you or make you feel better today. I want to introduce you to a living God, a God who will send himself to earth. That is the difference. You guys can clap for him. That is the difference between God and all these other gods. That's where Elijah was like, enough is enough. Who's with the smoke? I want a God who will respond. Does anybody want a God who will speak back to you? Not just a God who you got to get down on your knees and pray to and just hope that he hears it. And it makes you feel better on the inside and you feel like you're a devoted person. Nah. I want a God who will respond. I want a God who I can experience. And that's what God wants for you. And he says that he is like a consuming fire. And when you are introduced to him, he will consume your life. However, how many of you guys know we've been in, we've been in a serious fire starter. But last week's message was called hashtag stay lit because it's not as easy to stay on fire. Have any of you guys experienced the challenges with staying on fire for anything, anything that you set out to do? It might have been your New Year's resolution. Staying on fire for the gym. Staying on fire for your time management skills. Some of you guys said, I'm going to wake up early. Did anybody say they were going to wake up early? There we go. Yeah. You see? You're trying, to, you're trying to value your time, make the most out of your day, but it's not always easy to maintain. And that's one of the things we talked about last week is God will start a fire in your life, but it is very much up to you and your decisions to keep the fire going. And so tonight we are in hashtag stay lit part two. I ended last week's message talking about the birth of Samson. And last week's message, we were talking about two environments that temptation will fester in. Because if anything's going to put a fire out in your life, it's temptation. And that's the same whether it's the gym or your eating habits, the temptation to stray away from it. Whether it's waking up early, the temptation to stay up a little later and then to hit that snooze button, it's tempting. But there are certain environments that temptation will really fester in and grow in if we allow them to. And the last one that I talked about was restlessness. And that's something that I think resonated with everybody because if you are a human being, you know what it feels like to have to wait for something. We cannot snap our fingers and just make things appear. And even Jesus, who came to earth and was fully God, who could have snapped his fingers and made things appear chose not to plenty of times, but he allowed the process to take place. And so we were talking about Samson's mother and how she had no children. And then God shows up to her to announce that she would give birth. And that brings us to our first scripture of tonight. It's Judges 13.5. God shows up to Samson's mother and he says, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. I'm going to pray for us. God, I just thank you for being here with us. Lord, I thank you that you're so faithful. I thank you that you have sent people here tonight to hear 
from you, not from me. Lord, I thank you that there is a hunger stirring in people that you are ready to feed. There is a thirst stirring in people that you are ready to give them living water. And, Lord, I just ask that your word would flow through me tonight, God, and that it would ultimately flow into the hearts of the people that you've sent here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So God says to Samson's mother, who isn't even named here, he says, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite. And what Nazarite meant, it comes from the word Nazir, which means to separate or consecrate. And consecration just means separation. So he was going to live a life that was completely devoted and dedicated to God. So he couldn't do certain things. However, because of the next thing that God was going to say, he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So he was dedicated for a reason. So... There are three similarities between you and Samson. Number one is you are called to be a leader that is dedicated to God. God shows up to a woman just living life, had no kids. In those days, that was a really, really big deal. So when it mentions in scripture that somebody did not have children... You can believe that she wanted children. Everybody wanted their legacy to continue. It's not like nowadays where some people are like, I don't know if I want kids. I'm just out here trying to be successful. In those days, that wasn't the case. Success was your legacy continuing. You having a genealogy, it going from generation to generation to generation. Blessings carried from generation to generation. Curses carried from generation to to generation. Everybody wanted a legacy. This couple, this woman and her husband Manoah didn't have any opportunity to have a legacy. God shows up in the middle of their lives, just living daily life. God shows up and says, you are going to become pregnant. What I want to point out here is that God had a plan. It wasn't just about the boy being born, it wasn't just about bringing a woman a baby. God had a much bigger plan that was going on. And I think the more that we become aware, the more that we become acquainted with the fact that there's a bigger plan going on, the more purposeful of a life we can live. God did not leave heaven, show up on earth to speak to a woman about having a baby just because she didn't have a baby. He was meeting a need that happened to be delayed for her for a long time, but there was a big plan in place. He was going to begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. They were being oppressed by the Philistines. At this time in history, Israel was going through this cycle. How many of you guys are familiar with going through a cycle in life? Where it seems like you're getting free, seems like things are going well. Yeah, y'all feel me. And then things take a dip. But what was interesting about this cycle that Israel was going through, this is right after God had brought them into the promised land. So God had spoken a long time ago to a man named Abraham that he was going to cultivate a nation out of him. And he was going to give them a certain land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was good. God fulfilled this after I think it was around 500 years that he actually fulfills this. Joshua, after Moses, leads them into the promised land. And after that, you guys can guess what happens. They started slipping. So God starts appointing leaders over them and they go through this cycle of God putting a good leader over them. And they have a good 40, 50, maybe even 80 years of peace and prosperity. And then they turn away from him and start serving other gods. And then after that happens, God allows the surrounding people to oppress them, the people he was protecting them from. God then allows them to be oppressed until they cry out to him, God, we miss you. We need you back. 
we were tripping. Can you come back? God sends them a leader, frees them, and this cycle goes on and on and on. And what you're about to see is the last time this happens. This is the book of Judges. And this is what it's documenting. It's documenting this season in history where God is putting what's called judges over Israel. They needed freedom. I would present to you that God wants the same thing for the people he's bringing you to. There's a hunger that I was just praying about. There's a hunger that everybody has for God. And a lot of times we don't realize it's for God, and so we try to fill it with other things. And we just leave this gaping hole in our lives, and we distract ourselves by constantly chasing to feed it. But what's deceiving is the more that we attain, most people don't realize it until they've spent their entire lives not achieving it. That this doesn't fill it. I lived in... Alabama for a little while, working for a company um, under a, a really successful man. And when I, I left that company to move back to Atlanta because I knew that God was moving me. And the, the man that I was working under, when I left, he told me that I was making the worst decision I could ever make in my life. Because I was leaving the, the highly likelihood, I don't even know how to say that. It was highly likely that I was going to be extremely successful, millions of dollars, but the lifestyle was not conducive to what Jesus was calling me to. And I had already found Jesus. And I knew that nothing that I could attain in this physical world would be able to satisfy what God satisfies for me. So I walked away from that. And I'm not saying that for you guys to clap for me. What I'm saying that for is... Fast forward a few years, me getting this position, him and I went out to lunch and I told him uh, what's going on, you know, what God has done. And he said to me, this is the most, the most successful person I personally know. Super rich. Has everything that any of us would be clamoring to get and achieve and attain. And he said... He's probably almost 60 years old. He says, I feel like I failed to find my purpose. And he wanted to hear about what I was doing here. Tell me more about that. I, I know that, he, he said this, I know that I'm supposed to impact people, but I feel like I failed to do it. It's because he's chasing it by himself, on his own. There's a God who created all of us, and we cannot do life apart from him. We can try. We can try. But it's hard to achieve anything meaningful because there is a deep hunger and longing in our spirit to be connected with the one who created us. And God created you to lead people to him. Everything points back to him, he created Samson to deliver Israel. Israel is just a picture, all in scripture, of just people in our broken condition. That's why you see them going through a cycle of sin and turning back to God. Sin and turning back to God. Because this is kind of what we all do. But God wants to bring people back to him. He has nothing but good plans for people. And he has appointed Leaders, here, you, 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 all of you guys are here to lead people to him. You want to know that you were born with a purpose? I think that we should go to Jeremiah 1.5. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God shows up to Samson's mom and says, you will become pregnant. Before... Samson was in the womb. God knew him. He will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Before he was born, God had set him apart. I want you guys to write this piece down right here. He creates the purpose before he creates 
the person. God showed up with a whole plan way before Samson was ever here. And a lot of us, we go through our lives as if it's some mystery that we're just trying to find. And God knew it way before you were even born because he created a purpose before he created the person. He created your purpose before he created you. And so he's not some distant God who is trying to hide from you or just wants you to do all these actions and, and pray five times a day and, and check off a checklist. He has a purpose for you and he's not hiding it from you. That wouldn't make any sense. Who would give you a purpose and then not want to tell you what it is? God wants to tell you what your purpose is. What we learned in the first message is that we have to encounter God, which, hello, he's here. And then we have to engage with God, which is 100% our choice. All right. A lot of that wasn't even planned. So moving forward in Samson's story. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Like, bruh. I'm going to be real. When I was studying for this message, Samson was one of the people who came to mind. And I was like, nah, I don't want to use him. Because I've just had this, like, dislike for Samson. I've just never really liked him. And so I was like, no, nah, God, I don't think I want to use that. And then as I went and studied, I'm like, no, he's the perfect person to use. Why? Because he does so much stuff wrong. <laughs> really. I mean, there's plenty of content in here to compare your life with, with the mistakes that he made as somebody born with a purpose, born for the fire of God, and who didn't stay on fire. So pay attention to how he behaves and, and what he does. I want to marry her, get her for me. The worst. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. This is the Bible. And if you're not reading it, you, yeah. His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Simna, Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. So, Samson... He's just going about life, doing what he wants to do, sees a girl, is like, she looks good. Goes back to his parents, go get her for me. I want to marry her. Not the best judgment you could make. As one, God talks about in the Ten Commandments, honoring your mother and father. You can see he's not doing it here. So you can just see kind of the type of guy he is. Not the most honorable. Going after, I mean, making a judgment completely off of physical attraction. I want to marry her just because she looks good. And she's a Philistine. What's interesting about that is God said over and over and over and over again, do not intermarry with the cultures around you. Why? Because they will turn your hearts after their gods. And you'll turn away from me. And so when we talk about being separate, God said that this man is supposed to be separate, dedicated to him. Because he has a purpose. That's why God didn't want him intermixing and doing all this different stuff. Because God had a purpose for his life. And then you see Samson, he's just out here casual. Has a purpose. God came to earth to announce his birth. And he's out here just living like no big deal. 
how a lot of us do. Because honestly, it's a miracle that any of us are alive. I think about it all the time. I don't know if you guys do, but look around. This is weird. All of it. If you just let it sink in for a second, it's like, what am I? But then we just go about life casually, like, everybody else is here, and they seem unfazed, so let's get it. Um, I'm going to become a lawyer and dedicate my life to that. Going about life casually. So Samson, God comes to earth, announces his birth, goes up in the fire, shows he's with the smoke. All that stuff, this grand gesture. And Samson is going about life casually. However, as he's on his way, we saw in the scripture that his parents didn't even know that this was actually from the Lord. The Lord was using his disobedience for his own purposes. So he's like, I'm going to let Samson, I know how Samson get down, all right. I'm going to let him do this thing and I'm going to work it out for myself in the end. So as Samson is headed towards where he's supposed to be going... A lion comes out and attacks him. And so as we're talking about similarities between you and Samson, the first one being you're called to be a leader, the second one is you have an enemy that wants to kill you before you live out your calling. Why is this relevant to the lion that comes out and attacks Samson? Well, in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Peter says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring, looking for someone to devour. We talked about this last week. That a lot of us are just living just casually. Like we're not in this strange experience called life. Like we don't need to figure some things out. But there's a war going on because this is not the only realm of existence. There's also a spiritual realm. And a lot of us experience it in different ways. People all around the world experience different aspects of the spiritual realm in different ways. Most people would not argue with you that there's a spiritual realm because there's just kind of this inner knowing that we have. But a lot of us don't operate in life like there is one. And so we're going about just our everyday lives. We go to work. We come home. Watch some TV. Well, nobody really watches TV anymore. We stream something. Scrolling on Instagram. And we just get so wrapped up in just the day-to-day that we don't even realize. So Samson is just out here. We talked about temptation last week. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. What your eyes see. And what your flesh desires. Samson's living in that. He's like, you, the one I'm not supposed to be with, that I know I'm not supposed to be with, you look good to me. And he just is going about life. But the enemy is not an idiot. He knows that Samson has a purpose. And so he's like, Oh, you trying to you trying to do something? Bet. Ah! Comes at him, roaring lion, trying to devour him. <laughs> but that's how he is, even in our lives. You're trying to go about doing anything, right or wrong. There's an enemy whose sole mission is to separate you from God. So his attacks are not just so you'll feel bad. The enemy does not just want you to be sad. He doesn't just want you to be stressed out. He doesn't just want to inconvenience you. He will use all those different things to ultimately cultivate a mindset in you where you are separated from God. And so he sees that Samson 
is on his way to do something that God is going to use because remember, there's a bigger plan at play. God came to earth, announced Samson's birth. That rhymed. And said that he was supposed to deliver Israel. And Samson's only going based on how he feels in the moment, not even paying attention. But there's an enemy who's aware of the bigger plan and is like, Oh, wait, Israel about to get free? Nah. They need to stay under oppression. They need to stay separated from God. Because why are they oppressed? Because they're worshiping other gods. And so the enemy wants to keep them in that condition. Doesn't just want them to have a poor experience. He wants to keep them in the condition where they're separated from God. So Samson, this leader who's called to lead people into freedom, is out here not really paying attention. The enemy comes to attack him. The next verse, at that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. God wants to give you the power to overcome the enemy. Third similarity between you and Samson. So you're called to be a leader that is dedicated to God. You have an enemy who wants to stop the plan and the purpose over your life. But God wants to give you the power to overcome that enemy. This is a picture in scripture. This is why scripture is so important. Because there's pictures and analogies all throughout it that all connect and all point to the story of Jesus. All throughout it. Way before Jesus ever existed. There are all these stories. Way before Peter ever wrote about a lion, there was this story right here. That really happened in real life. And so we see there's an enemy trying to attack. God wants to give you the power. Jesus knew what this power was like. In Luke 24, 49, he said, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay, into, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When we see Samson, it says the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. When you are in relationship with God, he wants to empower you to live out your purpose. He will give you your purpose, announce it to you, give you the direction to go, and when the enemy tries to come against you and stop it, he wants to give you the power to rip him apart like he's a little goat. But we have to engage. Even Jesus says, I'm going to send you what's promised, but there's an instruction. The power from on high, being clothed with power from on high, only came through belief in Jesus. And so you had belief in Jesus. You are then baptized by water by man. Man baptizes you by water. Then God himself baptizes you with his spirit. And that's something that nobody can do for you but him. That's something that he wants you to experience, to be clothed with him, to be covered with him by his presence. And in that, to do the impossible, to do the miraculous, to overcome every attack against your life. But it only comes through the power of his spirit. And that is why we need God so badly. But God is teaching us something through Samson's life. So next, this is an interesting story. There's, it's really not a happy story, the story of Samson. Um, he's sent to deliver Israel. He has all this, this power and this strength and this purpose. But what you see, his life is summed up in a few chapters. And what you see is he just kind of squanders it. But in the first story, with him going to get this wife, he goes, marries the girl. Um, if I can sum it up quickly, 
He marries the woman, tells the wedding party a riddle about the lion that he killed that they didn't know about. He says, if you can solve the riddle, I'll give you 30 pieces of clothing. And if you can't solve the riddle, you have to give me 30 pieces of clothing. And he knew they wouldn't be able to get it. So what they did is they threatened his new wife's life and said, you better get this answer to this riddle or we're going to kill you and your family. And so what do you think she did? Went and got the answer to the riddle. This angered Samson. He ends up going and actually killing like 30 dudes and using their clothing. It's a wild story. And then he was so mad at what happened, he left and went back to his parents' house. A little time later, this is what happens. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her because he hadn't yet. He just went and killed people and bounced. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's wild. But her father wouldn't let him in. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. Mm. Mm. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Samson was not with it. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I am going to do to you Philistines. It's not even my fault. You knew that was wrong. Gave my wife away. Bet. <laughs> then he went out, caught 300 foxes. In short, he sets, he ties 300 foxes together, sets their tails on fire, and sends them running through the fields, destroying all the crops from the Philistines. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply. Because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. It's intense. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury, with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etam. So in short, what happens here is Samson made a poor decision from the jump. The, from the beginning, it was a bad decision. He was not supposed to intermarry with these people. And God is like, that's okay because I want you to be opposed to them. Your whole thing is you're born to lead Israel out of captivity. So I guess it will be good if you have some hatred. So if you want to go ahead and sin, then I'm just going to use this and you're going to see why I told you not to do this. And so he allowed Samson to experience the repercussions of his sin while and still accomplishing and achieving his own plan. Easy way or the hard way. Samson has a tendency to always choose the hard way. We can compare this to a scene many of us are familiar with from The Lion King. When Simba disobeys his father's command to never go into the land that the light does not touch. That was, that was a word right there. He said, everything the light touches. God is light. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. That's scripture. Mufasa says, everything that the light touches. That's yours. Simba's like, well, what about that part? What about the Philistine woman, women? And Mufasa's like, you must never go there. But what does Simba do? He goes there. And what happens? He ends up in over his head in the enemy's territory around all the hyenas, and they're like, bet, you over here? <laughs> you was over there with Mufasa. We couldn't do anything to you. But you over here now. 
funny, but you have an enemy that is counting on you to fall to your own temptations and cravings and desires to wander into the land that the light does not touch. Mufasa told Simba, you deliberately disobeyed me. And you will see that this is a common theme in Samson's life, just deliberate disobedience. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's way more than Jesus was sold for, by the way. But that's another, another time. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. You ever just been dumb? Like you know that what you're doing is wrong. And so then you just ignore every red flag. I've done that plenty of times in my life. So she asks him a bunch of times and he gives her like these fake answers. And then she tries it. And it doesn't work, but every time she just puts him to sleep on her lap, the strongest man, but his weakness is what he always pursued. She tormented him with her nagging day after day <laughs> until he was sick to death of it. Got the wrong woman, brother. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. Come on, bro. So the only reason you're alive is because you're so strong. You have an entire city of people who want to kill you. And you're just going to tell this woman. Mind you, earlier in the passage it says, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Does it say Delilah fell in love with Samson? No. You're going to learn. You can love the world. The world will not love you back. I'm going to preach. So Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God. As you're telling this to this Philistine woman that you're sleeping with that you're not supposed to be. I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. And I would become as weak as anyone else. This is a hard story to read. Because it's just like, bruh, stop. Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah was about that check. <laughs> Sold him. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. He was asleep. Hmm. Stay woke. Somebody knows. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. I'm strong. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. 
God was finally like, all right, bro. I'm done. I'm done. Deliberately disobeying God. God had given them this supernatural gift and a purpose. And he just squanders it. Telling it to the enemy. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. I mean, this is ancient times. There's, they're savages. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. The Philistine rulers held a great festival offering sacrifices and praising their god Dagon. Weird name. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Bro, why is this the first time you've prayed? Born to lead, God shows up, announces your birth, tells your purpose, says that you're to be dedicated to him. You're supposed to be living on fire for God. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, empowers you to do all this crazy, impossible stuff. And all you do is pursue the women you're not supposed to be pursuing. And then, once you've completely sold yourself out, been sold out, now you're in prison, enslaved, grinding grain after you were leading Israel. He actually led Israel for 20 years. But that's just like one sentence. He led Israel for 20 years. Meaning he probably didn't do much of anything significant. Eyes gouged out. Now they brought you out to this festival where they're praising their God. Where God created you to be a representation of his glory, his power, his strength, and the fact that he's alive. And they're praising their made up whatever God, probably stone or wood or something. And then we see, then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. I think the line that could sum up what we can learn from Samson's story is do not trade your calling for a craving. not worth it. You're supposed to be lighting a candle. Thank you, sir. We have such an amazing team here. There we go. It takes a little time to light it sometimes, you know, but you got to keep trying. There we go. I feel like we can learn a lot from this. Y'all tell me if anything happens to it. Um, This whole message is about how to stay lit, how to stay on fire for God. And we can learn a lot from Samson's life about the things that he did not do to stay on fire. He did not stay on course. Y'all good? And so, one of the things that... I want us to talk about 
as I mentioned, you have an enemy. You might be up here chilling, going through regular life. And then there's somebody, an enemy, the enemy of your soul, <laughs> trying to take you out. So there are three lessons that I feel like we can learn from Samson's life. Number one, three lessons from Samson about how to stay lit. You can't do life alone. Where did we ever see Samson consulting with anybody? We see him pray at the end when he's about to die. Most of his story, you don't see him consulting with anybody. He didn't listen to his parents. He didn't have people he was listening to. He wasn't protecting the fire that God had given him. And there was somebody who wanted to take it out. You need people around you who will speak up when the fire is getting dim. You need people who will speak up when the enemy is trying to blow out your fire. What's up? Oh, oh. <laughs> that was hilarious. I appreciate you guys letting me know, but are you doing that for the people in your lives? All the, hey, bro, fire's going out, fire's getting dim. Enemies attacking you. Is that what you're doing for the people in your life? Are you that vocal? Helping the people around you stay lit. And do you have people in your life that are going to do that? You have to have those people. The closest people to you need to be the people who are going to help you keep the fire going. You have to. My fiance, she's going to help me keep the fire going. She's going to let me know when I'm slipping. She has plenty of times. Because we all fall short, but we need people around us to lift us up. One of my best friends, if I'm down, feeling like I'm in a slump, I just call him. I'll be like, bro, I hope you got a word for me. And he knows what that means. And he does the same thing with me. The good thing is, almost every time, if he calls me and says that, I do have something encouraging to say to him. Because when he's fallen off, I've been spending time with God. So I'll be like, yeah, man, I can share with you what God was, doing, was speaking to me this morning. And encourage you with it to stay lit. I need that same thing. If I'm feeling like I'm in a slump, if I'm feeling discouraged, I need to be able to call and have somebody who I can trust has spent some time with Jesus that can share something with me, help me. Also, in the fact that you can't do life alone, it's not just about the people you're around. But last Saturday, as soon as I woke up, I had this thought in my head, and I just knew it was from God. Because I hadn't been awake long enough to really be processing, to come to any conclusions or to, like, come to any profound ideas or thoughts. And it was just there. Like, I woke up, I'm half asleep, and I'm like, hmm, that's profound. And it's that we have to shift from the mindset that God is watching us and living our lives like that. To God is with us. The Old Testament means old agreement, old covenant. And it, and it outlines God's relationship with humanity prior to Jesus. That's what the purpose of the Old Testament is. And in that, it was God is watching us. So 
we got to do this. So God's like, y'all can't come near me because you're full of sin. But if you want to kind of keep me around, keep me at bay, all that stuff, um, you can't pay the price for your sins. However, you can kind of do all this stuff and make sure you're getting stuff right. And it was really what scripture tells us in the New Testament is the law that was given in the Old Testament in the Old Testament was really just to highlight the fact that we can't do it, that we can't be good enough, that we can't live a life that's acceptable to God on our own. And so there was a prophecy years, hundreds of years before Jesus came and said that a child will be born to us and his name will be called Emmanuel. And what that means is that was not his literal name. It was a prophecy about what was happening. Emmanuel means God with us. And the mindset was shifting. And we have to shift our mindset from I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to measure up. and Because God is watching. He's this distant God that's watching me. And he's like, no. I want to do life with you. That's why I sent my son to die, pay the price, just so that you could do life with me. Not so that you can measure up. Because you can't measure up. But Jesus came and Jesus measured up so that you can be in relationship with God. So God is not just watching us, God is with us. Second, very simple that you can learn from Samson. You need to study and pray consistently. We see that Samson wasn't doing any of that. If you read Samson's story, there's really no relationship with God. It's just him doing stuff. And then sometimes God empowers him to do stuff that will ultimately contribute to God's purpose. But Samson never consults with God. He never says, hey, God, what do you want me to do? There's none of that. It's, hey, God, can you do this for me? You need a life where you are studying who God is. The Bible, why it's so important is the fact that we're able to learn about God and you learn. It's like reading his autobiography. You learn his habits. You learn his ways. You see how he operates in all these different people's lives. And so then you're able to say, okay, well, I saw that he did this in this person's life and this person's life and this person's life. And so that's probably how he operates. And then the Holy Spirit, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things that he has taught you. But he can't remind you of anything you don't know. It's supposed to be a reminder where you've spent time studying, praying, speaking to God, and he will speak back. This morning, I woke up at 5 a.m., not because I'm disciplined. I did not plan to be up at 5 a.m., but I woke up at 5 a.m., and I saw the words in my head, write this down. This does not happen to me a whole lot. But as I progress in my relationship with God, I hear from him clearer and clearer. And it was one of those things, I saw these words, it said, write this down. And I'm like, write what down? You haven't said anything yet. And so I'm over here like, it's 5 o'clock, I want to go back to sleep. That's probably just me. <laughs> About to talk myself out of it, right? And I'm like, all right. So I open up my phone. And honestly, I, I probably could have gotten a pen and paper out. <laughs> Transparency. But I, I opened up my phone, and I'm like, all right, God, if this is you. And I started seeing more words in my head. And I wrote them down as I saw them. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to those who are poor in spirit. That's just him. Relationship. The interesting thing is that's a, that's a scripture that's, that's in the Bible. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. However, And Jesus actually quotes it and says, today you've seen this scripture fulfilled in your presence. However, at the end, the last two words that I saw was in spirit. Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. So he's not talking about blessed are those who don't have enough money. Poor in spirit, meaning needy. 
you need, hunger, thirst. Blessed are you when you hunger for God. Then he says, blessed are those who will hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so what God was speaking to me is that exactly that. He's, 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 his spirit is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to those who need to hear from him. And so that's what you see me here doing tonight. I say all that to say that this is about a relationship. I, I couldn't have made that up. That legit happened to me this morning. And it was super encouraging. When you are living life with a God who will speak to you, who will respond to you when you pray to him, there's nothing like it. The last thing that I want us to remember, last lesson from Samson's life about how to stay lit is life is short. Samson's life is summed up in just a few chapters. It's simple. He did this, he did this, he did that. I wonder a lot if God wrote down my story, what would he say? What would it consist of? If God wrote down your story, what would he have to say about you? Because we were talking about Samson, talking a little trash about him. But the reality is that a lot of our stories would not look even as good. I know that my life before Jesus, God probably wouldn't have even bothered to write it down. Why would he? What did I do for him? What did I do that was impactful? If you are not living a life where you are burning for something on the inside, you're not going to live a life where you're fulfilled, where you're satisfied. The sooner you can realize that you're hungering for something and that there is a God who will fill that hunger, who will feed that hunger, who will feed that thirst, the sooner you can live a life of impact. That's what we all want, isn't it? We all want to be here and it actually means something. Would God write down your story? I think about that a lot. The Bible is, it consists of so many people's lives. Some are lessons to learn. Some are good lessons to learn. Some are not so good lessons to learn. Would God use your life as an example of what to do or what not to do? That's a powerful question. There's a God who created you and your birth was announced. Your birth was purposed. There was a purpose created before you were created and he created a place for you before he ever placed you there. What are you going to do with it? God wants you to have such a crazy relationship with him that it's like you're consumed in his fiery presence. Do you have that? Because there's nothing on this earth, nothing on this earth that compares to the satisfaction, to the joy, to the peace, to the love that you experience from your heavenly father. Do you have that? James said when he was closing out worship that Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people to life. Is your life one that is full of life? Are you living the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us? Or are you just going through your days trying to figure stuff out, working, 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 trying to get in a relationship, being in a relationship, focusing on everything that's in front of you and not what's in front of you, eternity. Life is short. David said, 
Help us to remember that our days are numbered and help us to interpret our lives correctly. Help us to remember that our days are numbered. This life is temporary. You don't have forever to make a decision. Help us to interpret our lives correctly. A lot of us have a misinterpretation of what life really is. Life is nothing without a relationship with God, the God who created you, the God who sent you to lead, to be dedicated to him, the God who wants to empower you to overcome every obstacle that you might face. But if you try to go through this life in your own strength, you will get to the top of a ladder and realize you were climbing the wrong one. I want to take some time tonight for us to worship our God. We're going to have some prayer leaders down here. And I want to give everybody an opportunity to pray with somebody. You can't do this life alone. We are here for you. We are here with you. God is here with you, and God is for you. But if you do not take the opportunity, that is your decision. But if you want to burn with the fire of your creator, if you want to burn with the fire of God and live a life of passion and purpose, you can have that. And you can make a decision. God, I thank you for every person who's in this place. And Lord, I thank you for every need that you're about to meet. Lord, I thank you that every person that you, that you sent here was not sent here by coincidence, but that you brought them here, you drew them here to meet them, to meet with them, to speak to them. Teach them that their days are numbered, that they don't have forever, but they can have forever with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.